I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop podcast. To find out about our upcoming events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events. This is Rachel Roddy. I'm thrilled to be here in conversation with Massimo Montanari about his new book, A Short History of Spaghetti with Tomato Sauce for the London Review Bookshop. Massimo is a medievalist and currently professor of food history at the University of Bologna and one of the world's foremost authorities on early modern eating. He's been a visiting professor at universities all over the world, and he's one of the founders of the International Review of Food and History, and has authored and co-authored 17 books, many of which have been translated. I am a huge fan. His essays provided me with a doorway into his work and are one of the reasons that I began and continue to write about Italian food. Three of his books in particular, including this beautiful new one, A Short History of Spaghetti with Tomato Sauce, Never Leave My Desk. His work has underpinned my work. In fact, when I was doing the gentle research for my recipe book, An A to Z of Pasta, I recommend not only making spaghetti with tomato sauce as often as you can, but seeking out his short history of spaghetti. So Massimo, it is an absolute delight to be in conversation with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. For me too, it's a pleasure to be here in conversation with you. In fact, we're here. So where are you? How are you and where are you? I am uh, in Italy, but that is uh, obvious. And I am uh, uh, at home in Imola. Imola is uh, a small town, 30 kilometers south of Bologna, where I teach. And I live here. I live here with my wife uh, in a fine house. I feel very good. I feel very good at home. Lovely. Actually, well, I'm not at home. I'm in London, which is, actually I was born near London. I'm in Clerkenwell, but usually home is Rome. It's very nice to be in London and very nice to be holding. I've had the proof, but very, very lovely to be holding this new edition of A Short History of Spaghetti with Tomato Sauce, which is a beautiful thing. Europa editions have done a, a, a beautiful job. I think it's a lovely structure and actually for the conversation the book gives us a lovely structure and I thought what we could do was start by talking about the the introduction which is um also a warning words handle with care I was trying to think what that is in Italian parole managare con cura words handle with care could you talk a little bit about this book uh, maybe looking at the sort of the idea of orange origins because of course the Italian book has a different title Yes, uh, the Italian um, book uh, has uh, a title, The Might of Origins, and uh, a short history of spaghetti with tomato sauce in the subtitle, because uh, um, in this book, I try to, to tell a little story of a very famous dish, but at the same time, I'm not uh, making only a history of the gastronomy. 
is not only a gastronomic uh, tour. Um, my aim is uh, to, to get a reflection on uh, the fact that starting from a little story of, gastron of gastronomic science, we, we can reflect on uh, words and concepts we use every day, like origins, like identity, like roots, because these are, as I wrote, words to manage, to handle with care, because there are many misunderstandings, starting from the main misunderstanding, to, to think the origins like the explanation of what will happen. So my, my, my story of spaghetti with tomato sauce that nowadays, today, is a very distinctive dish of Italian culture, is perhaps the most famous dish of Italian gastronomic culture, uh, is not to be intended like something that always was part of Italian culture, but on the contrary, like something that has been the result of many, many encounters made by different products, uh, different uh, uh, technique, uh, diff different encounters. So the theme of, of, of the identity that is not uh, at the origin of something that does not exist, but now is the result of, of similar encounters made in the, during the history. I don't know why this uh, title has disappeared from the English version of the book, but I think that everyone who has the book in his hands uh, will understand that it is not only a gastronomic history. I mean, I like the title in English. I mean, of course, you know, origin, sort of the beginning. I love the first chapter because, of course, as a sort of keen, you know, especially as a as an you know an English woman writing about Italian food, I was very very um, keen to sort of find the beginning, where it all started, and that would explain it. And then, of course, you know, you you continue with sort of origins, and there's a sort of myth of origins, of course, those sort of incredible, fantastical, made up ones, because we're reassured by we aren't we're reassured by the idea that things sort of happened in a very certain way, and of course. The story of pasta is uncertain, isn't it? I mean, the story is uncertain. It's also opaque at the beginning. In fact, when I was making my jigsaw, I wondered whether pieces were missing. A couple of chapters later, you have an early experience of fake news, don't you? Very topical. Well, the fake news uh, that uh, I tell in the book uh, is that of Marco Polo that could have uh, brought uh, spaghetti to Italy while. Uh, uh, this uh, is uh, totally invented Be because, uh, yes, China and Italy are perhaps the two uh, parts of the world, a very big one, China, a very short one, a very little one, Italy, where pasta has been important and is important, but they are two separate histories. Marco Polo visited China and uh, he could see in China some kinds of pasta 
but he recognized it because uh, in Italy at that time they already ate pasta, they knew pasta, they produced the pasta. So they are two different, totally different things. Uh, in fact, my book uh, telling a, a, a brief history of, of pasta in Italy that does not go to China, but uh, to the Middle East. The Middle East, the Persian world, the, the Arab world. The, this is the key from which, this is the key for understanding something of pasta history, not China. China doesn't work at all. Yeah, no, 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 lovely. And in fact, in fact, so shall we, shall we, shall we go backwards? In fact, there's a very, I had a very sort of probably simple idea in my head when I was writing my book, you know, this idea that, well, sort of in the beginning was a big ball of dough, wasn't there? But that there were sort of two parents and actually those two traditions, the Greco-Romano and the Arab and those two pastors. So could you talk, because I think you do that very beautifully. I love those early chapters, the sort of two about the Greco-Romano Lagana and then the Arab Tria and then how they converged. So could you talk a bit about those now? Yes, uh, um, a, a, Greek, a, a Greek Roman tradition of pasta does exist, but not very important. It exists, but uh, in uh, ancient uh, Roman cuisine, uh, pasta was simply an ingredient uh, to thicken um, soups uh, or to add, uh, but it was not a, a real kind of food as today. Um, and it was always fresh pasta. The, the second parent, as, as you <laughs> call it, is uh, the Middle East, uh, is the, the Greek Persian tradition that comes to, uh, to Europe through the Arabs that uh, in the early Middle Ages uh, conquer many parts of uh, the Mediterranean world, including Sicily. And Sicily is uh, perhaps uh, uh, the place, uh, the, most, the most critical, the most important uh, place uh, to understand this uh, mixture of, of, of cultures, of influences that mix together, that uh, act together. Because Sicily, uh, since the ancient times, had been uh, the, the region of the most, uh, the, the bigger, the biggest uh, production of, of wheat. And it was really the granary of Roman Empire. And uh, the tradition of pasta had, had been important in Sicily. But when Sicily in the early Middle Ages uh, was invaded by the Arabs, uh, it came in contact with the second important pasta tradition, that of dry pasta. And this is uh, very important, is uh, crucial for the history of gastronomic Italy, because uh, we were talking about uh, China before, but in China tradition, even today, pasta is always fresh. Italy is the only place in the world where the industria, the industry of pasta, dry pasta, because industry means uh, um, commercializing, uh, means uh, uh, making a, a, a big amount, not only for personal or family use, but for selling for and for traveling. 
And this was the, uh, the crucial apport of the Arab culture in Sicily that already had a pasta tradition came from uh, the Greek uh, Roman world. And from Sicily, this uh, new culture of pasta became a kind, a kind. We, we, we talk, when you open cookbook, an Italian cookbook today, you have a, a big chapter on pasta. Pasta is a, a kind, a genere. How, how a kind, it's okay, a kind. And this happens only starting from the Middle Ages. Pasta becomes a kind in itself, not an ingredient, but a kind of, of food in itself. And okay, starting so from Sicily, it spreads all over Italy. And in a few centuries, uh, we, we find the pasta industries in many Italian regions, uh, mostly on uh, coastal area, on sea areas. And, and this not only for climate reasons, because uh, with the climate of sea, pasta dries uh, uh, better, but because sea is the place for exporting pasta, for traveling, for, for, for selling. So this, yeah. this is the real novelty of, of the Middle Ages in the history of pasta. And spaghetti is, is yeah. uh, one of, of the protagonists of this story. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I and yeah, and that sort of idea of encounters and movement. Actually, we drove, thanks to you, we went to, am I saying it right, Trabia, Trabia in Trabia. Sicily. Yeah, where they, where, you know, where they, the mills were seen, that wonderful sort of lyrical passage, wasn't it? He was a geographer, an Arab geographer who wrote that wonderful description yes, of mills. Yes. And then the sort of movement as well, I suppose, to well, to sort of Naples and then up to Genova, it's a very physical feeling. And I think your ideas of movement and encounter sort of come up again and again in this book. And I love that. It's a sense of meeting and movement. And then you've talked about the fact that we're moving from fresh pasta to dried pasta. And then, of course, in this converging, and I suppose the next big convergence or arrival that we could talk about is the tomato. So we're in Naples. Should we jump Tom to tomato? <laughs> Am I being premature here? We can always... The tomato is a new encounter that uh, happens in the modern era because it's a, an American product brought to Europe only in the, in the 16th century. And uh, for a long time, tomato was not uh, accepted in cuisine, European cuisine. Only by the 18th, 19th centuries, uh, tomato became important in Italian cuisine, but only uh, with the, the shape of a, a sauce, not in itself, but as a sauce, and uh, became to be uh, adopted for seasoning pasta. What, what they had made for centuries, for centuries since the Middle Ages on, pasta was seasoned only with white products. The main was uh, cheese. Parmesan yes. cheese was the, the might of the Middle Ages. 
uh, when Giovanni Boccaccio imagines uh, the, 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 the land of cocaine, in this ma marvelous place, uh, there is a mountain of uh, cheese, of Parmesan cheese, over which uh, uh, there is a, a big chaudron, a grande, a grande caldaia, a, a grande pentola. A great big pan, yes, a big sort of cauldron or pan. Cooking pasta that uh, then uh, come down uh, over, the, over the mountain and uh, get cheesed. Uh, uh, yeah. This, is, uh, this is a word I am uh, inventing now. This is cheese. I think it's a wonderful word. <laughs> and, and, uh, and at the end of this mountain, there is a lake of butter. So butter, cheese, for people not who who could not afford butter because it was a precious uh, uh, product, uh, lard, uh, the fat of the pork. Uh, Anyway, um, this combination, this mixture, this meeting of uh, pasta and cheese was for, for century the winning choice. Something changes only in modern times, very near to us, between the, as, as, I, I, as I told, between the, the 18th and the 19th centuries, something new is, uh, is tested on pasta. One of these is tomato, tomato sauce that is added to cheese. This does not disappear, never. No, no, in fact, the cheese is there. And in fact, somebody's asked, actually somebody has asked a question about the Arab pastra tradition of flour and water. And actually it seems a perfect opportunity to go back a bit. I'm sorry, I did jump. We're in Sicily, the Arabs are drying strings aren't they strings of pasta i assume long then, long shape yeah. of pasta so so we have long strings that are then being transported by sea and i suppose maybe we should go back and talk a bit about the sort of evolution of shapes so there continue to be strings which were known as they had various names tria tria is the arab name but it, it is all the greek name so there okay. is a a coincidence between the Greek and the Arab name Tria, that mm. is a name still today existing in Italian language for some kinds of pasta. It means uh, both uh, dry pasta in general and dry pasta of uh, longer and uh, uh, thin uh, shape. Then the Tria would become vermicelli in in Naples. Yes, that... vermicelli, vermicelli, tagliatelli. The word spaghetti is very recent. It appears only in, in the 19th century. Uh, but already in uh, medieval cookbooks, we find some um, expressions that uh, open the road to spaghetti, to, to the word spaghetti. When they write that these types of, of pasta should be of the same shape of a spago. Spago is, uh, is what we use in, in shoes. Yes, strings or strings, strings. or lace. Yes. So uh, in the beginning, it, it, it is the way to explain to, to the, the readers of the cookbooks how 
this uh, shape should uh, should it be and then with passing the centuries it 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 become a word for uh, indicating the the spaghetti but in naples because naples was uh, in modern centuries not not since the beginning but since the 17th century on in naples uh, till today they don't use the name spaghetti for telling spaghetti they use the term macaroni yeah. macaroni for us uh, in 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 the perfect theoretical italian language macaroni is is a short pasta but in naples macaroni are spaghetti yeah actually that the macaroni was maybe the word that gave me more more trouble than yes. all of them i mean i felt this, this it, is normal it, it gives trouble to us oh. <laughs> i would wrestle and i remember i was given a sort of recipe book with recipes from ancient to modern and throughout it macaroni seems to mean every single shape you know possible so yeah that was a and i mean the origins of macaroni as a word are quite misty aren't they yes, there are, there are many interpretations uh, some of them are uh, a little bit fantasy interpretations but i i think that macco is uh, maccare maccare is 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 a, is a word that we find uh, in ancient and medieval language for uh, pestare how do you say pestare to crush or pound to pound or to crush pound and and making something that uh, the, the shape of un impasto no and macare was to sort of form yes ammacca in, ah, in, in italian we have this uh, this word today ammaccare when you go with your car <laughs> <laughs> something that is pestato crushed what what is funny is that this uh, this word macaroni macaroni uh, is both uh, the the whole word of pasta and uh, a, a single shape of pasta how do yeah. you manage to choose some uh, in your book on the pasta to choose some some and not other kinds of uh, some shapes because in Italy there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of name and uh, shapes of pasta but I have to say I read you and other people but I have to say once I started looking at the sort of story through your eyes particularly it did become clear what needed to be there so it was interesting that actually while I did leave shapes out and I live in Rome, so there was a tendency to be sort of quite Romana. My partner is Sicilian, so I have that, obviously, Rigatoni. But it was interesting how writing is as much about what you leave out as what you put in. Yes. So, actually, so it was an interesting, it was an interesting, um, but it was interesting. And I have to say, it was around macaroni and gnocchi and ravioli that I really felt like I was wrestling physically with the history of Italy. But at the same time, you know, like you say something wonderful about pasta, such a little word for such a big universe. And this sort of idea that it is singular, 
but delineated in hundreds of forms. And writing was a bit like that. It was simple and incredibly complicated at the same time. I like, I like very much this story of pasta that uh, gets many, many shapes. Because uh, if I think not uh, to the situation of today, when uh, each shape uh, is combined with uh, a special sort of, uh, of, of source. But if I think to my Middle Ages or the early modern times, when pasta was always seasoned with cheese and butter or lard, I think that the, the reason why Italian people invented so many shapes for, for, for pasta is that uh, shape is important for eating, not only the substance, but, only the, but even the shape. Each shape in itself, not for being uh, seasoned in some way or another way, but in itself, the shape gives some sensation to your mouth. It's a question of, of touch. From this point of view, I always uh, uh, remember uh, a singular uh, recipe that was invented by Gualtiero Marchesi, the most renewed Italian chef of uh, last century, of proposing four different uh, shapes of pasta seasoned all four in the same identical way and white in this case he preferred olive oil and this experiment was proposed just to to, to make uh, people understand that a different shape gives a different taste i i find it genial also from uh, if you want a philosophical point of view because uh, it means that uh, there is no no so much difference uh, between substance and uh, shape shape is also substance in some way uh, no absolutely <laughs> i love your essay about sort of that form and flavor and i always think of the sort of difference between a a sort of ribbon of tagliatelle and a quill of penne, these very absolutely, these completely different, different sort of feelings and sensations and therefore, you know, form giving way to, to sort of taste. It's fascinating. And then also, I mean, I have to remind myself often when I am writing that I am looking at a modern Italian map. And Vincenzo yeah. always reminds me to get the older that you know the regions are so recent and the divisions are so recent and that it was so different so of course when i'm looking at regional recipes to remember that italy was a, was divided in very different ways and you see this huge regionality and understand the huge differences between the north and the south and the middle the, the south being ruled by the the two sicilies is that right yes 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 naples and the south Naples, the Sicilies. Sicily was the first uh, region when this story began. Then, some centuries uh, later, Naples was, with the, was the place for another step in the history of pasta. Because uh, at Naples, uh, for the first time, 
spaghetti, macaroni, as, as we said, the, the word that we, we can choose we, what, what, what to use, for the first time became a staple food for poor people uh, in, in the cities and later in the, in the, in the country. Uh, because uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, pasta was used, was much used and appreciated, uh, both uh, on court, on the car, uh, on the rich levels, haute uh, cuisine, and in the lower classes. But uh, it was not the staple food for 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 any anyone. It was a food, an important food. Much more and more important with passing the time, but uh, only in the 17th century and starting from Naples, it became a, an actual staple food as it remains still today. Mm -hmm. and, and this is another, another uh, important passage uh, that I noticed in my book Be because in, in the previous uh, situation, Middle Ages, uh, Renaissance, uh, mainly on upper class uses, uh, but generally speaking, pasta was uh, was often uh, used as a side dish for meat. This is another curious question to understand. That this is uh, uh, true today, but not in Italy. Outside, yeah. abroad, ab I think in England too. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, in France and in Germany, in, in other countries, uh, pasta uh, still keeps uh, this um, identity of side dish of something. While yeah. in Italy, this disappears uh, in the last two centuries. And also very different cooking times. Yes, because uh, when, uh, when pasta was uh, proposed as a side dish for meat or other other dishes. It was uh, cooked for a long time. Italians today uh, use the, the, the word scotta, overcooked, over, overcooked. overcooked, overcooked. <laughs> In Italy, uh, when uh, pasta become a staple food, that is the, the, the most important thing you have in your plate, the cooking methods uh, begin to prefer the al dente cooking. Al dente yeah. is an Italian expression that cannot be translated. Al dente means that the, you, you cook pasta for several minutes, but, uh, but it must uh, retain his, uh, la sua durezza, la sua... Yeah. It's power. Yeah, I, I struggled translating this. I mean, we translate it generally to sort of to the tooth, but it's a descriptor, yes. isn't it? It's a descriptor of how the pasta should feel, which is strong and a little bit resistant. Uh, but again, this was something I um I've jumped us back and forward with tomatoes. But of course, you have this lovely progression, and we see these elements of different cooking, the introduction of the fork. Uh, we see the evolution. We see the cheese, the different fats. And then, of course, we see the very different, the different histories between the North and the South, because, of course, you know, while dried pasta is being extruded in in the South, more or less, in the North, yeah. we have a, 
a whole different world of wealth and fresh and filled pasta that was a galaxy that i was quite terrified by actually the sort of filled pasta galaxy and bologna felt like a a terrifying place i should say that uh, having today the spaghetti or the spaghetti al pomodoro spaghetti tomato sauce as the uh, italian dish for excellence means that uh, the southern gastronomic model wins has won um avinto this i think that uh, italian cuisine is very rich is very differentiated uh, uh, among the regions and uh, provinces and countries and cities uh, and uh, the south and the north are not the same thing but uh, um, there are things that come from southern experience historical experience that became uh, some identity identifying dishes of our gastronomy pasta is just this um what what you said is, is true because uh, we never think uh, abbastanza so much enough it, enough enough uh, at the difference uh, between uh, fresh pasta and dry pasta mm -hmm. um, dry pasta is historically typical of the south of the of, of our country while fresh pasta remains uh, typical of the north but uh, um, uh, th this is uh, um, the result of uh, different products because uh, for making dry pasta we should have uh, durum wheat uh, grano duro absolutely with hard wheat grano yeah the, the, hard wheat absolutely grows uh, grows well in the south of italy but not in the north Got it. That's the reason why we have so um, a difference uh, be, between Naples and the South that that improve traditional of of, uh, of of dry pasta in Italy and the North that remains linked to some typical family dishes based on fresh pasta. But it's very is a world is a world. But oh yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's wonderful, and actually, it's a very again, complicated yeah. But I have to say, what uh, in the cooking pasta chapter, you allow yourself a personal anecdote. But I wanted to also, you know, go back to another anecdote, which is you one you have about meatballs and the sort of philosophizing in the kitchen and and the sort of practical act of cooking, which is sort of where the learning starts and I feel even though your work is a way scholarly but I feel all the time that we are in the kitchen with you and of course as a recipe writer that is very um it's very reassuring for me because it is complicated but actually at the same time you know to, to understand making um tagliatelle and lasagna I was baffled but then of course I remembered that I could go and make it so it's this sort of constant movement uh, is an element of your work I like very much about and not the things we learn in the kitchen. You return often. Who was she? Sister Juana? 
but you know the sort of idea of what what we do learn in the kitchen what we the act of cooking and and that's where it sort of starts am i right in saying that i'm uh, i'm uh, i'm very affectionate to sor juana she she was a mexican but this uh, how do you say the the chef of a of a, a, a more an, an abbey Oh, I don't know. I suppose an Abbey cook. I think you describe her in the English edition. You describe her as, I think you describe her, yes, as a, well, a poet. Yes, but, yes. She was a, an intellectual woman. She was a poet. Delicate. She was a writer. And she was the, the okay. of of a monastery in mm -hmm. Mexico City. Mm -hmm. We are not no more in in Italy. We are no more in the Middle Ages. We are in the 17th century. She loved very much uh, to have uh, meetings uh, with uh, intellectuals, uh, with writers, with philosophers, and in in her monastery, uh, she had uh, constructed something that uh, really looked like uh, a modern. Uh, bookshop for example <laughs> where people encounters uh, and and uh, she was uh, um rimproverata how do we say rimproverata she, she was uh, told off maybe she was from from, from the archbishop she was told and, off yeah yes, and, and he, he told her uh, she 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 should not uh, go in, in this uh, themes of literature, of poetry, of philosophy, because she was a woman and her job was cooking. And uh, he could not uh, disobey this order, but he wrote, she wrote uh, a cookery book with an introductory letter, with an, an introduction where she explained that uh, making cuisine, cook, cooking, is not only making dishes and managing eggs or this or oil or butter or uh, every products you want, but that uh, doing that is a very difficult thing, is a very difficult occupation that uh, let you understand how the world, the nature, works. So she concluded saying that you can cook and make philosophy at the same time, because cooking is also thinking. I like very much this anecdote because it links the practice of cooking with the practice of thinking and uh, the complication of stories like uh, the story of pasta that we are dealing with today shows us that uh, cooking or, or preparing a, a shape or another shape uh, of pasta is a very complicated thing that uh, means to think not only to make uh, what other people learn you to, to make. That means thinking, thinking, thinking. And, and this is true not only for the Greek chefs of restaurants that make uh, 
ricette d'autore, recipes that are like sign yeah, signature dishes. Signature, uh, yes, yes. But also for uh, uh, popular recipes. And when, when we deal with uh, uh, the story of pasta, we have always, we are always in face uh, of a popular culture of uh, recipes that are not uh, fixed in, in a place where some, someone decided what to do in, what, in, in which way, but something that is produced by an amount of people generation yeah. from generation to adjust to combine to encounter a new i found i find your work um very liberating in that sense in all your work there's a sort of repeated theme about this um actually it comes back to the idea of recipes and what that means i think you go back to the latin a bit of this and a bit of that and what i need and and you talk a lot about the sort of the evolving and the encounters and not freezing things, not putting them in, in museums. And, and actually, that was my sort of last question to you. I mean, not so much a question as an idea that, you know, as a food writer, especially a foreigner, I'm very aware of being true to Italian recipes. But in fact, you yourself have that great line about, you know, that terrible word true, like deeming everything else false and the idea that things are always changing. And I, I have this great sense in your work that, you know, that things can exist at the same time, that, you know, we can look at historical recipes and value them. And at the same time, things are always evolving. Um, I found that idea in your work and continue to find it very liberating. <laughs> yes, we, if, if we compare a recipe of, uh, of today with a recipe of the Middle Ages, eventually with the, with the same name, with the same name, both, but the taste is different, the ingredients are different, and even if I compare uh, spaghetti al pomodoro, spaghetti mm -hmm. with tomato sauce of today, with the first uh, recipes that I find, spaghetti with tomato sauce in the, the cookery books of the first half of the 19th, uh, of the um, 19th century, so yeah. for a medievalist, uh, medievalist is uh, yesterday. In fact, yeah. <laughs> I, I find uh, a, an amount of differences, uh, starting with the fact, uh, for example, that uh, olive oil was not used at the time, but only butter or, or lard. Think of that, that the first uh, uh, recipe, the first Italian recipe, described in a cookbook in the, the 30s of the 19th century is mm -hmm. seasoned with lard. Today, olive oil seems to be the, the unique possible, the, 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 only, the only possible fat for, for seasoning pasta with tomato. And, and then all uh, what uh, tomato sauce has brought with, with it. Mm -hmm. We find uh, the garlic, yeah. onion, uh, chili, uh, basil. Uh, I, I tried in this book to deconstruct uh, the, the recipe, one recipe of uh, the tomato with tomato sauce and spaghetti. Yeah. And um, many 
most, I should say, most of the ingredients uh, that are usual today were not present before uh, tomato. Be because uh, when, when they, they, the condiment was, was cheese, is, is non è adatto. Not adapted, not adaptable, not, not fitting. Not, not adapt, is, is not, it, it doesn't work uh, with, uh, with chili or with uh, onion. So, um, what I say, but you, you said better than me, is that uh, recipes are never fixed, are not frozen. And uh, from time to time, we, we, we can see how they evolve. Yeah. With the taste uh, in a great freedom. I, I always uh, like to repeat that uh, uh, cooking is the word of freedom, not of rules. Of course, uh, we need rules because it's not uh, a, a total anarchy, but uh, inside these rules, we are really free. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yes, I love that. And in fact, in fact, that again, in writing recipes, gave me great freedom. You know, the idea that you can, and also home cooking. You know, by its very nature, quite anarchic. We can be at least we can be anarchists in the kitchen, while at the same time, I, again, I, I repeat that again and again. But I, I love that sort of balance in your work that the sort of the two things can exist at once and alongside the idea of these encounters because again and again in your book we are we are all over the globe you know we are moving and we are meeting and and you have some lovely i, I think the first chapter the opening words handle with care is wonderful the sort of enriching by the encounters i'm aware we should probably there's some questions oh so heather was asking about why was dried pasta needed in italy so she supposed it replaced earlier staples such as a sort of earlier preparations. Why, why, why was dried pasta needs in Italy as a transportable food, as something to be to be transported, maybe? Uh, not only to be transported, but to be preserved for a lot of time. Of you can preserve dried pasta, and in the history of uh, food, in the history of uh, cuisine and gastronomy, this. Uh, 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 this topic of the preservation of food has been always a, a very, very central, very important, the most important. If you think uh, which which are the most popular foods uh, uh, in in history, I would say cheeses mm -hmm. and uh, salumi. How do you say salumi? Like salami, cured meat. We Why? use your word. Why cure the meat? Because meat it cannot be preserved for, for, for a long time. Cured meat, yes. You can have it in, in your house for months, for years sometimes. And why cheese? Because cheese is the only way historically uh, found to preserve milk. Yeah, of course. For, for us today, it's easy to... to to, to use milk, we have the, the frigo, we have the freezer, no? But if you are a man of the ancient times, of medieval time, of early modern times, still two centuries ago, 
you have a lot of milk, what do you do with this milk? You invent cheese. This, uh, why I, I, am, I am saying this, because I think that uh, the possibility of dried pasta to be preserved for a long time has been one of the most important uh, elements of, of its success as a staple food. And then, which is why it became, and then, and then you know, transported all over the world. I was just going to say, somebody um, was asking a question about, Lucy in Hungary, about a pasta dish of tagliatelle, style pasta with pork cracklings, pork lardo croccante, um, fresh cheese and sour cream. She was saying it sounds a bit like a medieval, like a medieval pasta dish. <laughs> Why not? Uh, <laughs> It sounds uh, medieval, mainly, I would say, for the sour, sour cream, because uh, the sour taste was always present in uh, medieval taste. Medieval taste uh, was uh, always uh, um, trying to have all tastes together in each dish, so a little bit uh, sweet, but uh, a little bit acid, sour. All the times we, we, we find something sour, sweet, sour, uh, salted, uh, where, where, where the, the, the tastes are mixed, we are in face of a, an ancient taste. Yes, uh, perhaps some, sometimes today, but um, modern contemporary taste. Uh, has been oriented to more de defined defined tastes. If, if you think, for example, of modern Italian cuisine, we love very much, we have today the might of products. A product must be itself. A tomato must taste tomato. A zucchini must taste zucchini. This meat must taste itself. This was not uh, the, the taste of uh, some centuries ago, when they tried to mix together different tastes. So the presence of sour cream is very, very medieval. Yeah. I read once uh, a, a very interesting uh, uh, letter of, uh, of an immigrant, un immigrato, an immigrant in Italy. He came from the Eastern Europe. And he, he was saying that he loved very much Italian cuisine. He loved uh, very much uh, spaghetti. He loved spaghetti carbonara, but he found them a little bit uh, lacking of sour. So he added sour cream. <laughs> this is a medieval memory. Yeah. To, to a, an historian that, that makes an historian reading of the recipe. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I thought, and actually, I'm thinking it's um these ideas. Once everyone's read this book, then they will go off and read all your other books because you explore this again and again. The sort of sweet and salty. Oh, somebody was asking about the is the culture of pasta making in Italy in decline? It's not in decline. It seems to be in decline, but it's not because uh, apart uh, that, many people still do it. We have, we have, um, we have changed the way to do it because we have now 
many, many uh, shops where mm -hmm. people do pasta, fresh pasta. Perhaps yes, I... it is in decline in house cooking, but not mm -hmm. in house eating, <laughs> because yeah. we can find it out of, yeah. out of uh, home, out of house. And uh, it is very, very interesting, this factor. Perhaps uh, the, there is not uh, as uh, uh, in the past uh, the same uh, um, capacity in all houses to make pasta. This is true. But uh, there is people that, that, that make it for us. For example, yeah. for reasons of time, uh, we are all working and on, but uh, if if you want tagliatelle, uh, I go in the front of my house and they sell it. And and I, I can compare this tagliatelle uh, uh, with the tagliatelle that I bought uh, a little in another place. I don't know if the, if the living in a small time like Imola helps. Uh, this possibility of uh, finding fresh pasta everywhere. But uh, I see that even in Bologna is just the same. And uh, I don't know. I, I am li a little bit uh, optimistic. Oh, and, I think uh, I am and too. I, and, and I see also the fact that uh, the courses the, 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 of, of baking pasta are uh, even are more and more popular in Italy. And yeah. young people want to go to learn how to make pasta. Yeah. I think we had some decades ago, perhaps in the 70s, in the 80s, this decline. But now we are going up again. Our, t our hour is up, so I think that's a perfect note of like absolute optimism <laughs> or so the, the continued story of um, of spaghetti with tomato sauce. That was a real delight talking to you. Thank you so much. I feel it's a wonderful book. I mean, I want I want everyone to um to go and read it and hold it. It's like it, it's very complete, but it's also like doors being opened, which is what I love about it. Yes, complete and at the same time, doors will be opened for everybody. Thanks for listening. To find out more about London Review Bookshop events, visit londonreviewbookshop.co.uk forward slash events.